welcome to another edition of the Throwing Bagels podcast. Kevin Mooney here with you alongside Jason Hamo. Hey, Jason. Hey, Kevin. How are you? I am great. How are you, sir? I am doing fantastic. And also with us, as always, Chris Douglas. Hey, Chris. What's up, Kevin? Not much. Yourself? Just, you know, another day in central New York. Just living the dream. Living the dream, baby. <laughs> uh, joining us now on the Throwing Bagels podcast, the voice of the Syracuse Mets. Uh, it is the director of broadcasting and media relations for Syracuse. It's our pleasure to welcome in Michael Tricarico. Hey, Michael. Hey, guys. How's it going? It's great. Thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to uh, really ramping up here to baseball season. It's right around the corner. Uh, we're about maybe six, five weeks, six weeks away from opening day for the Syracuse Mets. So uh, plenty of things to go over. I'm sure a lot of roster movement will happen between now and then. That's for sure. Um, but when we look at last year's uh, roster, Michael, so uh, when Syracuse began the season, uh, we were looking at uh, players like Francisco Alvarez and Ronnie Mauricio, Brett Beatty, Mark Vientos, and they all saw time in the majors last year. Uh, who are some of the prospects that we might expect to see on this year's team? Yeah, I mean, and I think already um, we've kind of heard some of those names of guys, and and most of those names include uh, players that were picked up by the New York Mets last year in, in those trades that saw some of those uh, high-end pitchers go to other teams. I, I think the New York Mets did a really good job last year understanding that, uh, you know, where they were, where they were in the middle of the year wasn't where they wanted to be at the beginning of the season. And, uh, you know, they did about as, as good of a job as possible in, in, you know, getting as much value as, as they could out of those guys. So I think right at the top, you have, uh, you know, maybe the two top prospects in the New York Mets organization that are are still in the minor leagues and Luis Angel Acuna and, and Drew Gilbert, I believe already that we've heard from uh, David Stearns, the you know director of uh, baseball operations for the New York Mets that, uh, you know, those two will will probably be starting the, the season in Syracuse. So, you know, last year we definitely were, yes, looking forward to those guys like Francisco Alvarez and Mark Vientos and and Brett Beatty and Ronnie Mauricio all starting uh, last year in, in Syracuse and you know, Francisco Alvarez didn't start or didn't stay in Syracuse for very long. He very quickly, you know, was needed because of injuries in the major leagues. And uh, you know, he certainly made his his presence felt. But what's great is, you know, this this Mets organization has done a great job of building up talent in these lower levels. And uh it'll be really exciting to see, you know, those two guys um for sure. I I you know, I think to to see those guys in AAA in Syracuse, see what what they can do. Um, being on the cusp and and following up what we saw last year from, you know, Beatty and Vientos and, and Alvarez and Mauricio. And, you know, yeah, when a guy like Brett Beatty got up to the major leagues, eventually the production wasn't quite, I think, what certainly what uh, you know, others had had maybe expected from him and and certainly wasn't what I think Brett was accustomed to. I mean, he was a guy when he was in the minors, I I put him in the at least in players I had seen in the minor leagues talent wise and production wise, I, I put him right up there with 
and I saw firsthand uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. when he was in single A in the Padres organization. I was with the Fort Wayne Tin Caps, and I saw him firsthand. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Bo Bichette. I saw those guys when they were in single A. I saw those guys in triple A. And the production and just the way those guys looked, Brett Beatty was in that conversation just in terms of what he was doing in in triple A. So, you know, yes, of course, what ended up happening once he got to the major leagues wasn't, uh, you know, what, what I think, you know, all of us had expected right away, but with all of those guys, it's hard, you know, it's easy to forget just how young they are. So it's great to see those guys now going to get an opportunity uh, with the New York Mets this season. And now we get to see this next crop of Acuna and Drew Gilbert. And, you know, we'll see after that, you know, where they start guys like Jet Williams and, Mm -hmm. And Kevin Parada, but you know, those are guys I think uh, by the end of the season, if they're not in Syracuse at the start of the year or middle of the year, you might see them in triple in a by the end of the year. I mean, it's, it's all going to be the balls going to be in, in those guys courts. So it's very exciting just to have those prospects, but you know, as you know, when you want your, your major league team to have success, because who knows this team could, uh, could surprise some people. You need to build up some depth. And and I think we've seen, you know, as I'm starting to go through a list of, you know, possible pitchers that we might see in Syracuse and possible position players, you're kind of looking going, geez, I don't even know if there's enough spots in Syracuse for some of these guys. <laughs> when you, um you mentioned Brett Beatty, you know, last year came up, came back down, uh, came back up again. Um, he was obviously, raking when he was in triple a you know came back down and he was you know hitting the cover off the ball was there anything that you heard specifically from him or from the coaching staff you know trying to help him out was it just the mindset thing or was it actually like his actual you know hitting i I think it's more just mindset and getting used to it a new level of of baseball i mean it's it's um there's there's a big jump. I think the minor leagues, the jump from double A AA to triple A is a really big one. Like I, I remember when Francisco Alvarez was in Syracuse, he would mention like he was uh, he was talking to uh, Dick Scott, Syracuse's manager last year. And, and Kevin Bulls, you know, had, had similar conversations. He was a manager two years ago with with some guys who were coming up, you know, in double A, if a pitcher falls behind an account, 2-0, there's probably a good chance he's just going to throw a fastball to try and throw a strike. Um, in triple a there's, uh, you know, pretty much all of the pitchers you get up here, whether they've been in the majors before, or, um, you know, are just even just filling a spot, they can throw any pitch they want in any count for a strike. And, and that's an adjustment that guys have to make just going from double a to triple a. So I think going from triple a to the majors, um, you know, it's, it's an even bigger jump. Cause when you think about there's maybe, you know, two, three, four guys on a, on a triple a team that are, that, that might be. Um, you know, at least played big roles in in for a major league team uh, going forward. Well, now when you're in the majors, you're facing those top players every every single day, uh, day in and and out. So, I think for for Brett, uh, you know, it wasn't anything specific me- mechanics wise. I mean, I think he certainly was working with the the hitting coaches. Uh, at, at all of these levels, but at the end of the day, it, it just came down to um, needing to get more reps and just needing to adjust to that level of, of baseball. And I'm not as worried about him or some of the other guys as maybe some other people out there are, because I have all the faith in the world, having seen the work ethic firsthand and just seen the ability firsthand to know that, uh, you know, I think a guy like Brett's going to be able to, to figure it out. And I think he will surprise some people this year. Cause I think, you know, I won't speak for everyone out there, but I feel like there've been some people that are, are writing him off and, and may have written some other guys off, but um, you know, the talents there. And I, I think he can definitely, uh, definitely surprise some people in a, in a big way. 
it seems like Mark Vientos is kind of in that same boat. Cause I, I mean, I've been to, I've been to a lot of Syracuse Mets games and every time I saw him in the lineup, he was not going to cover off the baseball. So it sounds like it's really just a matter of, of time uh, for, for a guy like Mark Vientos to kind of settle in at the majors major league level. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, for a while, um, you know, even, even, even at the beginning of last year, um, I think it was pretty clear. And, and I would even say somewhat to the, towards the end of, of uh, his time in AAA two years ago, it was one of those situations where from an offensive standpoint, I think you talk to coaches, you talk to some scouts, he was more than ready from an offensive standpoint. It was just, you know, is he ready defensively and where are you going to put him defensively? Do you want to you know, sit him in that DH spot. Uh, you know, they obviously have have uh, he's he's gotten some time at third base. He he has in AAA gotten some time at first base, and and I think coming into this year, the thing I'm most excited about with bro, both Brett and with Mark is that they will have the opportunity. Uh, at the end of the day, yeah. you don't know what you have unless those guys have the opportunity. So now you're going to be able to see Brett and Mark both play. You know, third base. Um, you know. They might be able to DH here and there. You might be able to have Brett playing at third base and now Mark's your, you know, everyday DH. You at least have options, I think, which is really good. But those guys, you're going to be able to know. The end of this year, you're going to have an idea. All right, these guys are guys that are going to be a, a big part of this organization moving forward as, as everyday players. Or, uh, you know, it's just not going to work out here and 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 maybe guys need a, a different environment. But I think the most excited part is these guys are ready. They've been looking forward to this opportunity and now they're finally going to get it. And I think that's something that we can all be excited about. In the past, the Mets have had, you know, throughout the years, some some very highly touted pitching prospects. Quite a few haven't panned out as much as people have have like them to, you know, to, to have panned out. Um, but they definitely have some, some high profile or higher profile pitching prospects. It seems like in the, in the minor leagues right now, um, Mike Vassell and Christian Scott are two, you know, two that come to mind, just how good are these two? And are there any other that you may have seen that might be able to make uh, a difference at the major league level as well? Yeah. I mean, the, the, that's another uh, interesting part about, you know, this year's, Syracuse Mets team is that you do have this uh, situation where yes, you're probably, you know, again, if, if everybody stays healthy, which hasn't happened the last couple of years, there was two years in a row. We thought that we would have David Peterson and Tyler McGill as our one, two starters in, in Syracuse. And uh, none of the last two years has that happened. <laughs> one or the other is, has been up uh, or both of them have been up, up in, in the major league. So, you know, this year, if everyone stays healthy, you you have a situation where uh, you you might have a Syracuse rotation that does have um, you know you you have Tyler McGill you have Joey Lucchese you do have Mike Bassel maybe you have Christian Scott and there's some other guys that they've picked up uh, whether it's via trade whether it's you know signing as as free agents in the offseason uh, that you might have here in addition those guys that you have down in double a coming up, you mentioned, you know, Christian Scott, uh, and hadn't, hadn't made it to triple a, uh, yet, uh, you know, maybe there's a good chance that he starts the season here. Dominic Hamill is another guy. I think that, that group, just in talking with some of the double a broadcasters and reading some articles about those guys from the off season, and even just things we had heard last year, when that group was taking the double a Binghamton rumble ponies to the Eastern league championship, uh, series, 
down in double A, that group felt like they were the best pitching staff in, in double A. And I think numbers wise and talent wise, and uh, you know, you, you, you check to see what the scouts are saying. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that might agree with that. So uh, we haven't seen, you know, I haven't seen Christian Scott or Dominic Hamill uh, necessarily in person, but I think it's, it's um, an opportunity for those guys to uh, in spring training, um, you know, possibly show what they have and, 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 push themselves into that, that triple a rotation to start. Uh, Cause ultimately you do have other guys in triple a, like uh, a Jose Budo who, mm-hmm. who, you know, two years ago, I would have said, okay, maybe this is a guy that could, could uh, it's at least could fill in at the major league level. And he's had some, you know, some bumps in the road. Maybe he's a guy I've talked to some scouts in the past who said they really like him as an option out of the bullpen with some of the ride he gets on his fastball, that velocity that we saw from Budo sometimes gets up at, at times to 96, 97, 98 miles an hour. So I think this is a big year for guys like that as well um, to to sort of find their roles in this organization, whether it is as a starting pitcher, whether it is uh, if it is in the in the bullpen. Uh, so I think the depth is there. It's just a matter of, you know, figuring figuring things out. So there's a lot of guys I haven't seen. Mike Vassell, of course, was was one guy who we did see last year. I think he was um, maybe one of the more impressive players that we saw here in AAA with uh, with Syracuse, with, with what he was able to put together and just how he was able to uh, to get better and better as the, the year went on, came close to a no hitter at one point during during the season. So, um, you know, I think he's a, another name to keep an eye on in terms terms of someone that has been in triple a before this season and at least could work his way to the point where hey new york needs a pitcher he's one of the names at the top of the list that maybe gets called up he probably won't start the season in in new york but there's a decent chance that he could get a call up during the year depending on what he's doing and injuries and things like that yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I I absolutely think that a guy like Mike Vassell has to get a look. I mean, he he has the intangibles. I think there's a lot of people in the organization that are high in, on on what he can do. And uh, it's to that point, I think this is, you know, I think this season is is going to be um it's it's one of those let the guys play and figure out what you have. Like we were talking about with with you know Beatty and and Vientos. Unfortunately, Mauricio you know isn't isn't part of that group. But um, I think that happens with guys in AAA as well. The guys like you know Jose Budo and and Tyler McGill, and we'll see what you have with with Joey Lucchese, and and now you have Mike Vassell uh, at the top of that list, and and Christian Scott and Dominic Hamill, and maybe there's some others as well coming up. From double A, it's um, it, it's not maybe you're not pushing those guys as hard to start. But by the end of the season, I think it's definitely going to be, hey, let's see what we have from a lot of these guys in triple A. I think it's going to be they're going to have the opportunity and and let's see what happens, because, you know, I th- I I'm a little bit higher on on I think what the New York Mets can do than than some others. I think they can surprise some people, you know, as we know, in this day of age, uh, day and age of of baseball with the the wild card spots uh sometimes all you have to do is you know you win 80 85 games and you can sneak into one of those wild card spots and if you have two or three really stellar pitchers you have a good offense and you get hot you can make it to the world series so who knows what happens <laughs> i'm i'm curious uh michael how closely do you work with uh let's say jacob wilkins who's the play-by-play guy for binghamton and 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 the broadcasters at the the other levels of the minors and the majors how closely do you keep in touch with them? Yeah, I mean, we work uh, we work closely um, 
every single day. Uh, you know, I think we're we're always sharing game notes. We're always sharing roster moves, which is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually I've been doing some work down in Binghamton with their uh, the Binghamton University basketball team during this off season. So I actually grabbed uh, some lunch with with Jacob uh, and a coffee earlier this uh, this off season, and you know we just got to catch up a, a little bit on on what's to come for the year and I got to pick his brain a little bit on on some of those uh some of those players and during the season I mean it's it is a little tougher just because we're all uh so so intertwined and in, it's right. in what's going on with our our daily schedule but you know we're all on each other's um, you know, email distribution lists when it comes to, uh, you know, roster moves and and game notes and and all of that. So I think, uh, you know, that's one way to at least stay in touch and, and stay up to date with with what those teams are doing. And especially last year when Binghamton was making its run, uh, we were definitely keeping a close eye on, on what was going on there. Well, let's take it off the field now, switching gears here. Uh, the annual Syracuse Mets open house is on Saturday, March 2nd. Can you kind of let us know what that's about, what happens during the event? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, the the biggest thing that'll happen during that event is that uh, we will have, um, you know, we'll release our entire promotional schedule. In the past, you know, we had been pretty, uh, pretty tight-lipped on on every single promotion, but over these last couple of years, what we've been able to do is, uh, you know, we're, we'll, and in the next couple of, uh, probably days here next week, week and a half, we'll probably send out, uh, a release about, uh, a little bit more information about what our promotional schedule is going forward. But, uh, Jason Smorrell will end up giving, uh, a talk during that event, you could take a tour of the stadium. So one one interesting thing this year is we're going to have some newly renovated areas. That's another you you kind you guys kind of get a, a a little bit of a tidbit there before we release it. But there's going to be a few new areas that fans will be able to uh, to sit in, I suppose, during the the 2024 season and beyond. And I think one thing that we've been able to do over the last couple of years for this open house, in addition to the promotional reviews and some new merchandise that's going to be available and the the stadium tours, uh, we've been able to bring in some former New York Mets players, uh, you know, for a little meet and greet. So this year uh, you can meet Howard Johnson, who is going to be taking pictures and signing autographs with uh, with the the team and uh, or with the, the people that come out during the open house and and uh, and he'll be able to give his little uh, you know preview of what he thinks this 2024 season is going to uh, what's going to happen during this 2024 season. Well, Hojo was definitely one of my favorite players growing up. I don't know about you guys, but I mean, yeah. I, he was fantastic back in the day. Yeah. I loved him. I loved him he so was, much. He was he was my guy when I was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just one follow up on the uh, on the event. Um, can you give us any other uh, sneak peeks as to what's going on? Maybe some food <laughs> options, new food options. We, you know, more? we we are we are going to have uh, we are going to partner with a local um, a local I suppose uh, food outlet. That's going to be uh, coming in and and uh, and taking over one of the stands at the stadium. I can't release that information. Ah, just know that's all right. Just know it's going to be uh, it, it, that that information will be coming out over the next uh, two weeks before the the open house happens. Wonderful. But hey, if you want to come in again, if you if you come out on out to the the ballpark, 
it's it's always you know and now the season starts march 29th it starts you know sooner and sooner every single year mm, yeah. but uh but yeah if you come out out to the ballpark it's kind of a new breath of fresh air you get to see some of those areas you get to take some tours and see some areas that you wouldn't be able to see if you were just at the stadium normally you know you'll see the clubhouse and you'll see the the uh the batting tunnel and the batting cages and and take a look at some of the cooler areas the press box of course which i always love showing showing to people so uh the tours are always one of my like more favorite things to to show off to people um but you certainly will be able to you know to have howard johnson there and 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 to see the new merchandise that we have it'll be your first opportunity to get some of the new merchandise and new uh logos for some um you know things that we're doing there i think will be uh really fun for that and hopefully the weather cooperates as well we hope so but if it doesn't you know we're gonna ha- we all we'll have uh for the season ticket holders so if you want to you know get your season tickets at a time because actually march 2nd is when single game tickets go mm-hmm. on sale but if you want to make sure you lock up your tickets ahead of time you can get season tickets and for our season ticket holders when they pick up their ticket ticket booklets that day a lot of times we'll have some coffee and donuts for them so mm-hmm. uh you know to, to warm people up a little bit but uh you know the great thing is that uh even even if the weather doesn't cooperate we have that beautiful metropolitan club that folks will be able to uh to watch that uh Q and a with Jason Smorrell and, and Howard Johnson in and, and learn more about the season. So uh, that'll be fun. It is central New York after all, you know, exactly. you never know. That's you never right. know what can happen. Never, the, the 29th could be a snow day. Yes. <laughs> May 1st could be a snow day. Right. <laughs> fair, fair we've enough. had it before. We have had, true. We've had games uh, postponed because of, Flurries where you couldn't even see the center fielder. We were, I think, we we're in Buffalo one year, and, oh, and that was. The, I'm just happy this year that we're at. We're going to Charlotte in April. We're going oh, to nice. Charlotte, as opposed awesome. to there's been years in the past where where we've had uh, last year. Durham came to us in April, and we went down to Durham in June. Uh, make yeah. it make sense. I don't know. <laughs> they should always make you guys do the southern trips early in the season, right? Right. You would and, think. <laughs> and by the way, that Charlotte ballpark. If you've never been there, it's absolutely gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous, right in downtown Charlotte. Yeah. And Charlotte's one of those cities that's, uh, you know, really, really growing um, a lot more. You know, I think Charlotte and Nashville are two of the largest growing uh, cities, at least at least in the you know eastern uh, part of the United States. So there's there's definitely a lot to do in in Charlotte. And we're looking forward to to getting back down there as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's it sounds, um, Michael, I've been to a couple of the open houses and I I think it's a great way to build a, a rapport really with Syracuse Mets fans and with the community. Uh, do you find that other minor league teams are, are doing an open house event like that? Uh, to be honest, I'm not sure. I think some, you know, some teams do, do, uh, you know, different things during the off season. I mean, we used to do mm-hmm. like a hot stove dinner um, in the past. Um, we did a couple of years ago, I think it was in 2019 when, when we were the uh, Syracuse Mets, it was the first year we did a, a meet the team event. And that was before the season. Now we'll do, and last year we did a meet the Mets event during the season, and mm-hmm. and uh, I guess another little sneak peek for you guys. We will, you know, the details will be be released later on, maybe even during that open house. But it sounds like we are going to be doing another one of those, you know, meet meet the Mets events where you you get to uh, you know come and get some appetizers and meet the team, get some autographs. So that's something that'll happen during the season. I think yeah, a lot of teams do do some different things. We like to think we're kind of unique in how we run this open house and being able to bring in a former New York Met great. And that's all part of this great partnership that we have Mm -hmm. with the New York Mets that helps allow us 
to have access to guys like this that are, you know, able to come in and, and interact with fans because, you know, as I found out uh, over the last couple of years, I knew there were Mets fans here in Syracuse, but I don't think people realize just how many Mets fans were in Syracuse. You always think there's people with, you know, oh, it's Syracuse and central New York. It's a Yankees town or even it's a Red Sox town. But no, I, I think we found it's it's it, the, it, it can definitely be a Mets town as well. And, and the orange and blue plays really, really well here in, in Syracuse. So, yeah, in terms of the offseason stuff, it's cool that we're able to, to offer this. And, and that partnership with the Mets has just been uh, awesome in that sense. When you're evaluating the success of the team, you know, in, you know, a triple A team like the, like the Mets, do you strictly go by wins and losses or do you look at other factors to decide, you know, this was a successful season, whether or not we had a winning record or not? Yeah. I mean, triple A is so tough, right? Because, um, you know, it's, it's one of those situations where you would love to win. And, and, and the one thing that I've loved to hear from, uh, you know, from Steve Cohen and from David Stearns and up and down the the line in this New York Mets organization is that they do want to build that winning culture in AAA in the minor leagues because they want their guys to be used to winning. Because when you get up to the major leagues, you want to have that group. Like when I talked to uh, you know Francisco Alvarez and Brett Beatty and Mark Vientos at the start of last season and Ronnie Mauricio, you know they all said, yeah, like we've you know we've been able to play together. And we've been able to win together. And it's cool that we all started together. And now we're all kind of getting up to the, the majors around the same time. So I, I think being able to build a winning culture is important at the same time. At the end of the day, these minor league teams and AAA in particular is there to serve at the pleasure of the major league ball club. So if you have, a, you know, if you have guys that are, are uh, you know, there's times where the major league, the player development staff, uh, you know, we'll call down and we'll tell the AAA manager, hey, you can't use this pitcher, this pitcher and this pitcher because we might need them in New York tomorrow. And, you know, you would love to be so, you know, you might be sitting there as a fan going, geez, why aren't they using this guy who hasn't pitched in two days? It, well, it's it's not because, you know, they they are trying to lose the game. It's just they can't use that player. And, and sometimes development, uh, you know, has to take you know, precedence over winning at the same time. You, you talk to all of all of these guys, they're trying to win. They want to win. Uh, sometimes you're playing with one arm tied behind your back, but so are, you know, a bunch of other teams. So that's just kind of, you know, that that's how it works. And I think the one thing that, you know, the, the Mets have done well, like we were talking about is build up that depth where you do have, you know, if someone does get called up, whether it's a pitcher or it's a position player, it is next man up. And, you know, last year, yeah, it was one of those situations where there were a lot of guys in AAA that were, playing here. I think if you asked them and I did ask them, uh, you know, I said at the start of the season, did you think you would be here? And they said, look, I thought I was good enough to be here, but, be, but we know it's a numbers game and we didn't think because of the, how the numbers were working out, we would be here, but because of all the trades, because of how things worked out, some of those guys ended up getting an opportunity at, at, at triple So it's things like that, that sometimes you just don't have any, any control over. But I think this year, if there are guys that need to get called up, if there are injuries in the major leagues, you, you know, you, you will have that, that depth built up. And I think that's the best way, at least in triple A to win. So, you know, long, long answer to your question. Yes, guys want to win, but unfortunately, sometimes uh, development, uh, you know, has to take. And, and, you know, if you're a fan of the major league team, 
would you rather have a great AAA team or would you rather have a middle-of-the-pack AAA team who knows how to develop players really well and, and get them ready for the, the major leagues? And I think that's something we've at least been really you know, proud to have. And the coaching staff talking to those guys, they're always proud of the way that they're able to develop these guys where – there's been times we've had more moves, more player moves over the last like two years than we had had in, you know, at least in the last maybe 20 years of that I had records of uh, in terms of these player moves and guys who have been with Syracuse and guys being, you know, pushed up to the major leagues and having to fill roles and and at least, um, you know, doing their part to to win some games up up in the major leagues. So, you know, that's that's at least number one. Do you ever get told in advance about players that might not be able to uh play or is it kind of like you know a little secret that nobody really ever finds out about until after the game yeah i mean it depends i mean a lot of times the pitching stuff is like i you know i mean it's 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 not necessarily something i would know i mean there's there's that trust that you build with a coaching staff with the manager the hitting coach pitching coach where uh you know they'll give you a heads up say hey this move is going to happen but you know please don't say anything until the the mets you know uh let us know And, and that's again another thing that you know, we've had a great relationship with the the player development team and the communications team with the New York Mets where, you know, they'll give us a heads up. Hey, this is this is going to happen. But, you know, just, if you could just hold off until we send out the information. Same thing with uh, sometimes we'll have rehabbers come down and, you know, I know a guy's coming down because he's here, but he's not active. So it's, you know, you just wait until you have the release set up. You just, hey, this guy's, you know you know, for the media, for the fans or whatnot, depending on who it is, you know, if a Max Scherzer or a Jacob deGrom is going to rehab, you can't, you, you, you know, sometimes there are cases where we really don't like people ask. And I really don't know. Like I really, I'm not just saying, I don't know. I really don't know. You know, and then there's other times you're at least given a heads up, but you don't know all of the details. So uh, it's, it's definitely a, a, a mixed bag. I think in terms of the everyday moves, um, you know, it, it's, I'm, I'm only, a lot of times, if there's things I need to know to have a roster ready, then you know our our coaching staff is great at getting me that stuff. If there's other if there's other moves that uh, you know are less pertinent that I have to have a release for, then you know I'll just find out with the rest of uh, the rest of the folks. So, in addition to the play by play duties, what are some of the other responsibilities that you have during your season? Yeah, so you know the the play by play aspect is, is really fun. And, uh, you know, that, that if it was, if it was just that and you were expecting it to be just that, then it's not the the job for you, uh, especially in, in minor league baseball. Um, you know, it's the director of broadcasting and media relations. So writing press releases, um, you know, a lot of times we'll do press releases, you know, during the off season, a few times, a month uh, during the season, it's it's probably the same thing. We do daily game notes, so we'll update information on the players, stats, info, things like that. We put together a stat pack as well for all of the coaching staffs. One thing that I've been surprised about, and this has just happened from when I, you know, I I first interned when it was the Syracuse Chiefs back in 2014, and Jason Benetti and Kevin Brown were the broadcasters for the team there. But in minor league baseball. I have no idea how this started, who started it, when it started, but we have access to this stat portal. And it's awesome to have all of these, you know, you, you, I mean, you can look up exit velocity, home run distance, like for individual players, teams, all this stuff. But at some point, it became the job of the broadcasting slash media relations people to put together a, a packet that you would print out of, it would be, it, it's standings for the league, 
uh, league, you know, hitting averages for all the teams, pitching stats for all the teams, and then individual stats for the players of your team and the team you're playing. And you print out this packet, which, you know, eight to 10 pages, maybe more, and you deliver it to both the home team and the visiting team. And I like sit here scratching my head. Okay. Maybe like, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, teams didn't have access to all of this stuff or, you know, it was just easier for the broadcasters and someone in the front office to print it out. But nowadays these teams have access to more information is <laughs> even in the minor leagues than I will even be able to comprehend. And we're still printing out these 10 to 15 <laughs> packets of stats every single day for these guys, but it's stuff like that, you know, and you, you know, some, some coaches over the last couple of years has, have said, we don't need that. <laughs> Others who are more old school just love to have the paper copy as opposed to maybe the iPad that they have in, in front of them. Uh, but it's it's stuff like that that we do. And then a lot of the social media stuff, like when we're on the road, you know, my broadcast partner, Evan Stockton and myself, you know, we do this uh, sponsored video. It's an NBT bank on the go video. And we'll, when we're on the road, find something really interesting about the city we're in, um, about the ballpark that we're visiting. And we'll do a, a cool little video about that and post it on on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. And during the games, we'll be cutting up highlights, um, you know, and, and posting those. Like when we're on the road, it's it's the the video call is of the wh- whoever the home team is. But you know, last year when we've gotten this year will be the same thing. When we have all these top prospects and we have all these names, uh, you know, do you want to hear the the opponent's broadcast of a guy saying, you know, Brett Beatty just hit his third home run today and they're, they're all disappointed. Or do you want to hear the, the call of the team that the guy plays for? So, you know, we, we sort of splice that together. So, uh, you know, fans sort of get a little taste of what you might see when these guys eventually make it to, to New York city. So, um, you know, to summarize it's yes, the broadcasting, but we're writing press releases. We're doing game notes. We're doing interviews with the players. We're setting up stuff for the media to talk to, to players, um, you know, we're doing these social media videos, we're writing post-game stories, we're cutting audio highlights, we're cutting video highlights, and we're we're posting it as many places as possible to try and keep people informed and entertained about what's going on, you know, with this team, especially when you have all of these guys. What led you to be interested in broadcasting? Yeah, so what's funny is, um, you know, I didn't really, I didn't uh, even think about broadcasting as a, you know, something I might want to do as a job until right around seventh grade, my, my middle school had, a had a television studio that was kind of put in, they would do the video morning announcements. The school went through renovations and that was part of the renovation. So I, I sort of got involved and I would watch sports center growing up and doing this. I said, geez, you know, sports broadcasting might be something I'm interested in. I think I'd want to be maybe a sports center anchor. And, you know, then, then, uh, a few years after that, my ninth grade year, I was, I, I did a, a mentor, uh, program through my school with Matt Park, who's the the voice of the Syracuse Orange, doing you know men's basketball and and football, and that's when play by play really uh, you know started to become something that interested me. And I had always wanted to go to to Syracuse University just because it, I would go to all the Syracuse basketball and football games with my family. You know, I was fortunate to have season tickets there with with my family, so I'd go to those games growing up. And and um, you know, so I I, I got into uh, new house, fortunately, and and got involved with all that. But what's what's funny about everything is, even though I didn't consider broadcasting, uh, it wasn't even on my mind until you know seventh grade. Growing up, as early as when I was three or four years old, I had this little cassette tape, 
and like a cassette recorder with cassette tapes. I know you guys know what those are, but there might be some people, even my age, that <laughs> yeah. don't even know what those cassette tapes yeah. are. Are you saying um, we're old? What do you mean? No, no, yeah, that's, no. It. that's exactly <laughs> it. Like me, yes, I wasn't going to say it, but that's exactly it. You're just informed. <laughs> you guys are more informed than everybody else. <laughs> but I, I, I carried around this cassette recorder, and I would record myself playing like backyard football on my computer, or I even have some VHS tapes of uh, some Syracuse football and basketball games that I would just commentate over while the the game was, was playing. And I didn't do it because I saw these play-by-play broadcasters and I was like, Oh, I want to be like them. I just enjoyed doing it. I just enjoyed talking about the sports. I was the video games I was playing or the, the games I was watching. And it's just, it's, it's, it's interesting how it all came full circle, even though it wasn't at that point that I knew I wanted to do it, but I've kind of just been doing it almost, almost my whole life. And it's worked out for me so far. Who are the broadcasters who have had the greatest influence on you? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, Matt Park to start with the thing, Mm -hmm. you know, getting that first taste of play by play. And, you know, he brought me along to, he actually, you know, brought me to uh, a Syracuse chiefs game and, uh, he brought me to a Syracuse football spring game and he was, you know, very influential when I was, you know, trying to decide, um, you know, where to apply to college and, and, and what to do once I got to, you know, got into college and, 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 and those things. And then, you know, when I, when I interned with the Syracuse chiefs, Jason Benetti and Kevin Brown, I mean, they, they, that was my first experience broadcasting baseball and, I was fortunate to fall into an awesome situation to learn from two of the best who are doing major league teams right now. Mm -hmm. And that summer, it was after my freshman year of college. So it was 2014. And that year was Jason's final year broadcasting for the team because he had gotten a job with ESPN. So he actually left, I believe it was the end of July. So it was probably like August and September. Jason wasn't there. He he was getting ready to do uh, ESPN football. So, and there were some of our games, the Syracuse Chiefs games that were on TV. So they actually needed somebody to broadcast on the radio while Kevin Brown slid over to television. So I got the opportunity as a 18, 19 year old, you know, just out of freshman year of college, I got the opportunity to broadcast AAA baseball and I'll look back, you know, I'll listen back to those games, even like the, the following summer when I was listening back to those games, I was like, man, how did anybody ever let me on the air? But, you know, it's it's uh, I was fortunate to learn a lot from Jason and Kevin. And, I, you know, it's uh, it's great to be able to call them not just, you know, mentors, but great friends, even even to this day. Um, you know, but I'd say those two and Matt and, you know, I've had great broadcast partners as well. I, you know, my first full season in baseball was with John Nolan in Fort Wayne, Indiana with the Fort Wayne tin caps. And, uh, I worked with Eric Galanti and, and now Evan Stockton and, and just to be able to work with, you know, all of those guys, you, you learn, you always learn something from the people that you broadcast alongside, especially in baseball, since you're doing, you know, nowadays, a hundred and like. 50 games in 169 days, I think it is. So, so you definitely learn a lot from the guys that you're with, but yeah, those are the ones that I've definitely been able to, uh, to reach out to. And I'm still, you know, sending my stuff out to, you know, the New York Mets broadcasters and and broadcasters, you know, elsewhere. Hey, you know, here, here's a, a half inning of mine. Do you mind sending me some advice? And, you know, you can never get, uh, you can never get too much feedback from people. Sure. Do you, sorry, get, get here. 
Well, I was going to say that there's there's you and, and Jason Benetti and Kevin Brown, Robert Ford, who does mm-hmm. games for the Astros. They're all Syracuse University graduates. And I, I know I'm leaving. You, you have the, the other folks as well. Of course, Bob Costas and Sean McDonough and uh, just so many other people. But what what is it? What does it mean to you to be a part of that that heritage of Syracuse University broadcasters, you know, making their way into baseball? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely not lost on me the the lineage and yeah. the the history that that is there. Not just going to Syracuse University, but but to be working in a broadcast booth. I think if you probably look at the minor league teams that have sent the most people to the major leagues, I think it's, you know, Syracuse and then Pawtucket and now Worcester, um, you know, the triple a team in Syracuse, the triple a team that's either, you know, it's for the Red Sox, you know, wherever Mm -hmm. it may be, it used to be in Pawtucket now they're in Worcester, but yeah, I mean, the amount of people that have, have been in Syracuse and, and gone on, um, you know, when, when you're in that broadcast booth, there's just an an expectation, no matter who's there, that it's going to be a major league type of broadcast. And, you know, I like to think that that I've been able to do a great job and Evan and I work really well together. And, you know, uh, we're fortunate where, you know, we're able to interact with fans and it's it's really fun to be. I'm walking to the concourse in Scranton and I got a Mets fan saying, hey, I've got the MLB TV package. And I was able to, you know, the Mets had an, the New York Mets had an off day, but I you know, decided to turn on a Syracuse game. And and he just, you know, he, he recognized us because we do our little pregame spiel on camera. And he said, hey, you guys do a really good job. And, you know, that's actually happened a couple of different places and to get emails from parents of uh, and family members of of uh, players that both play for us and that play against us. Because, mm-hmm. again, those the video broadcast is for the team, whoever's home. So, you know, if you're, if you're the parent or a family member of a, a, a player who's, you know, a visiting team, they're, they're very likely watching our, our broadcast. So, uh, you know, obviously we're pro New York Mets, but we at least try and be fair with, you know, and, and tell the stories of, of all those other guys as well. So, you know, we try to do the best job we can and it's great to be able to uh, try and uphold that lineage, but also have all of those guys to be able to reach out to. So I can send, you know, a text or an email or, or make a phone call to a, a Jason Benetti or a, a Kevin Brown or, you know, guys like, a you know, Sean McDonough, uh, you know, you, if you have the contact info, they're they're willing when they have the time because those guys are all busy. But if you send them a, a note, they'll they'll, uh, you know, be willing to give you a response. And and it, I think it just speaks to, um, you know, that group and sort of the family and culture that's been built. How did you land that first job with Fort Wayne? I was, uh, I've been really fortunate my career. And I, you know, I, I, uh, you, you, you put yourself in a good position. Like I, I think you, you know, you can put yourself in a position to be, you know, maybe lucky isn't the right word. Sometimes you make your own luck, I guess is the, is the best way to put it. So honestly doing that internship, like all of the baseball jobs I've gotten really came down to that first internship I had in 2014 with Jason and Kevin. So learning from those guys, um, 2015, I worked on the Cape Cod, uh, for the Cape Cod baseball league. And there were two Syracuse students, uh, who were a year ahead of me who, who said, Hey, we saw that you were with the Syracuse chiefs and you did some good work there. We've always had a Syracuse guy with the Falmouth Commodores and the Cape Cod baseball league. Would you, you know, would, is that something you'd be interested in? So I, you know, then I go to the Cape in 2015, one of those broadcasters got a job with the Auburn double days when they were the short season affiliate for the Washington Nationals. So he he did that in 2015 while I was on the Cape. He left that job. So then in 2016, I was with the Auburn Double Days. 
And then 2017 was my senior year. And I had set up my class schedule so that I could graduate early if I needed to, because I knew, you know, short season baseball was great because it starts in June and it ends in, you know, around September, early September, at least. So, you know, you don't have, you, you, you don't have to miss much class. Um, but full season baseball, as you know, starts in March and April and, and, and still goes through September. So because it started so early, I at least wanted to set things up that I could leave early. And, uh, but I still wasn't sure. I, I didn't know, you know, which teams were going to be available and and what was going to happen. And I was fortunate one day in probably December, I got a phone call from John Nolan, who is a Syracuse grad and is the, the uh, play-by-play voice of the Fort Wayne Tin Caps. And, and he called me and he said, Hey, you know, this is John and I'm, you know, the broadcaster for the Fort Wayne Tit Caps. And, you know, I saw you have, had worked with Jason and Kevin and you've done some good work. And I was wondering if, you know, this might be something that interested, you know, that, that you'd be willing to come out here. So I had, you know, conversations with him. So I, I was just fortunate to, you know, hopefully had have done good work and built up a good enough name that someone would uh, be willing to, you know, sort of take a chance by reaching out to me to come out there. And I learned a lot from, from John and learned a lot, you know, I'm, I'm uh, thankful for, the tin caps and for John for reaching out. Cause I don't, you know, I, I like to think I would have done some baseball job uh, that, that following summer, but some people are reaching out in, in, you know, November and, and December, and it was probably getting close to the end of December and, and into January. And I was still contemplating what I was going to do uh, in terms of whether I, I would do full season baseball or not. And I happened to get a phone call. So again, one of those situations where like maybe it landed in my lap, but you know, I, at least I was, you know, for people who, are interested in this, in this industry, when you're at these other jobs, make sure you're doing a good job to build up that reputation that someone would be willing to, you know, to call you and take a chance on you. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, I was fortunate after that, that Kevin Brown was working with Eric Lanty and Kevin then after the 2000 uh, or maybe towards the end of the 2017 season, he got a job with ESPN. So then going into 2018, Eric Galanti was the number one guy in Syracuse. He was looking for a number two. And then I reached out to Eric, you know, knowing that position was open and said, Hey, you know, I'm from Syracuse, you know, and I knew Eric from, from school. So it wasn't a hard, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, connection to make, but was fortunate that the job opened in Syracuse and, and I was the one that got it. And, you know, everything else has been history, I suppose. <laughs> well, Michael, th- thank you so much for joining us. And uh, we we wish you all the best and continued success in your in your play-by-play career. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate it, guys. And uh, yeah, looking forward to talking more uh, Mets baseball as we, we get into the into the season. And we'll, we'll see how things fall this year. LGSM. And there we go. <laughs> <laughs> and that was Syracuse Mets play-by-play guy, Michael Tricarico, joining us on the Throwing Bagels podcast. And I, you know what? Now that I think about it, we've been blessed as Mets fans to have tremendous play-by-play broadcasters. And really, Syracuse is not that far behind. They really do take the same approach because of the stream of SU grads that have come through there. They are taught to be professional Mm-hmm. And and so it does. It kind of I, you kind of see that now that 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 willingness to to call it like you see it and to be respectful of the opponent and to just overall just call a good game trickles down to the Syracuse level, too, and places beyond that. Yeah. And, I, you know, him him speaking about Syracuse grads that go that, you know, end up there and and, uh, 
you know, unfortunately, when we were in school, you know, we didn't do any baseball games because we couldn't do it. So, you know, we wish I hope the guys from Oswego can start to like maybe push with their way down there as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that'll do it for this edition of the Throwing Bagels podcast. You can check us out online, throwingbagels.com. Email us, throwingbagelspodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Chris. So long. Good night. See you later. 